Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Raymond. Oh, hey, Raymond. Hey, uh, Joel. Fancy seeing you here. Yeah, I'm really confused. Why am I in a British pub right now? I don't even know how that happened. Well, it appears that uh, Ryan's on a boat, and and Alan's busy counting his his bitcoins, and and Dan couldn't get his Siri to remind him of the recording, so we, the foreigners, take over. So today it's me, Raymond, Chris Reed, and you, Joel, as a special guest, and we're going to talk about cars. Sounds good. So yeah, welcome, gentlemen. What uh, what are you having for drinks tonight? <laughs> do I lie and pretend that I'm drinking something with alcohol in it, or do I just tell the truth? What what should I do? Hey, I drank water last week, but as the others were doing uh, fancy drinks, I got a uh, a triple shot espresso macchiato Ooh. with some uh, some cinnamon on top. Nice. Well. Tell you what I'll do is I'll be honest about what I'm drinking, and but then I'll tell you what I would like to be drinking right now is I'm having some water because it's it's like two twenty in the afternoon on a work day for me, so we're not we're not quite the drink territory yet. But my wife found me a six pack of Finnish long drink. Have you guys had that before? Any familiarity? I've heard of it. You've heard of it? Okay, so it's it's great. I think it's grapefruit soda and gin, and it is delicious. Super, super good. So, Chris, what about you? I'm a couple of hours ahead of you, so I'm starting my uh, my weekend a little bit early. So, I have a uh, Founders All Day IPA. Nice, nice. excellent. Okay, so um, yeah, as, as we're taking over, and well, I think we're all a bit of a uh, all, bit of a gearhead. So, uh, we thought we'd talk about cars this episode. A bit. That's that's a, I, I feel like that's a slight understatement, Raymond. Well, I, I'm just a user, right? My my wife's the gearhead. She's the the automotive uh. engineer. For me, it's just my office on wheels. So it's messy. It's it's just a user object for me. That's funny. <laughs> that's that is pretty funny. And your wife has she's got a fun car, doesn't she? Yeah. Well, we're married, so it's mine as well. Um, but yeah, we um, so we, we we have we're an all Volkswagen family, and so we have a um, a, a seventy one Volkswagen Beetle, which is made to look like Herbie, like the old school Herbie. Nice so stickers and all, uh, but it it did have an upgrade because it it's fully uh, um, restored. But we do run it on uh, uh, on uh, uh, LPG, so it has hardened. Oh hardened uh, uh, valve seatings and, and all that. And um, so because the engine gets hotter and it is still an air-cooled car, but it runs on on LPG. And by LPG, you mean lip, liquid propane, right? Yep, exactly. Wow. That's very cool. What what kind of range does that get for a fill-up? Uh, so it, it's a small tank in the front. Um, so it, I'll just keep call it front, not not boot or bonnet or or, or whatever. So so we're we're a neutral territory. So in that's the a modern front, term, the frunk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but um, 
Uh, there's a, I think it's a 30 liter tank in there. Um, so mileage wise, I think, well, there's still two types of fuel in there. So there's a little switch that, that we can use. So basically you have two types of fuels and we can probably do 600, 700 kilometers in total on, on both fuels. As Joel and I rapidly Google what that actually is in miles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, if you take care of the miles, I'll... Okay, so 400-ish miles and 30 liters is about nine gallons, or I'm sorry, eight gallons. Yeah, well, hang eight on, that's gallons of eight gallons of gas and then there's also eight gallons of petrol. Oh, okay. So you can you can run it on either petrol or yep. liquid propane. Yep, and exactly. you can run it inside a warehouse to move goods around if you need to, because it's on propane, right? Is that a yeah, valid use case could, for it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just have uh, flashbacks to my first job where I worked. I was the, uh, the lot boy at a boat dealership. That was my official title was lot boy. And we had a, uh, we had a, a forklift that was natural gas or not natural gas, mm -hmm. but you know, liquid propane rather. And I, it was my job to go and fill up the propane canisters every now and then. So, okay. And here's a, another tie in. I can tie it in twice here at the time I was driving a 77 Volkswagen bug. So. Okay. But that had the big, big elephant feet taillights. Um, I don't remember. I don't yeah, remember. Ours has but... the little church lights, the, the yeah. smaller taillights. And so, so I yours think is older. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No. Yeah, no. So it's, I think it's 72 or 73 when they, they, they got the bigger taillights. Yeah. That sounds right. And another strange thing about my bug being a 77 is it was actually fuel injected. Have you ever heard of that? Fuel injected well, bug? I've seen bugs slow down, slow down using a parachute. <laughs> so it just, it's a chassis, which is still a bug. And so it has a bug shape, but they run it on, uh, on, 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 on these um, fumes or uh, gasolines that, that they do uh, these, these, um, drag races on oh, the race just, fuel yeah exactly race fuel and and so yeah i've seen so we, we we before we had kids and we had a life we went to car shows and, and bug car shows um, and so yeah um there was always one every year that was held at the um uh, spa racetrack and so they would do drag races with bugs as well and so That's you cool. could see a bug being uh, uh, uh braked by a parachute that's awesome Super cool. So that's tell us about the rest of, of the Vol. Oh, sorry, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to say that's 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 super cool. You've got you've got a couple that are a little more modern, though, right? Yes. So we have a um, a 2011 uh, Volkswagen bus. Uh, so transporter T four, I think it is. Then T five, um, and uh, and we have uh, the newest edition, which is all, all already like four years old, is a fully electric uh, Golf. That's, that's very cool. I'm, I'm interested in that, the fully electric Golfs, because that's, a, um, a, that's part of the, the Mark 7, Mark 7.5 platform. It's on the modern MQB architecture from Volkswagen. Yep. So it's not, um, it's not the full electric that like the ID4 is on. Um, nope. So... That that's an, a rel relatively early entrant into electric vehicles. What do you get for range for that, and what's different from a normal Golf as far as technology? 
Um, so range, um, so looking at the books, they say 320 kilometers. So you Google the conversion. I have no idea. I think it's uh, 200 right miles. Around, yeah, right around 200 miles. So yeah, yep, 198. Yeah. So, oh, damn, I'm good at doing math late in the evening on on, on <laughs> strong coffee. Um, um, uh, but yeah, we get like 20% less probably uh, than what, what the books say, 20, 25% less. Um, and so, um, yeah, but, but the Netherlands is tiny, right? So I can get anywhere on, on a charge. And then, yeah, I, I, there's a, charging stations everywhere in the Netherlands. So I can get back by just charging uh, where at, at a customer's location or that, and, and then go back in the end of the day. Um, so yeah, different than the U.S. probably, but I can imagine that 200 miles is too little for U.S. terms. Can we talk about that for a second? I feel like there's some, there's a there's a thread I want to pull on there a little bit, if you're okay with it. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, so I have a friend that has, uh, he was an early adopter of the Tesla Model S, and he's also got a Model X that his wife drives. And And I asked him one day, I was like, hey, you know, how long does it take you to charge this thing? And he said, that's the wrong question. He said, the correct question is how many miles per hour do you get when you charge? Because that last 20% of charging, like when you run it up to 80%, it charges really quick to 80%. It's that last 20% that takes a long time. So when you're on a road trip, you don't bother with that. You stop to eat you plug it in, you get back out to your car, it's up to 80%. And that is way more than enough to get you to wherever you need to go or your next charging place. So Raymond, is that, is that consistent with your experience? Yep, very much so. And, and you do drive a little bit differently where I used to go uh, as quickly as I could to a highway and then go down the highway. Now in the Netherlands, the maximum speed is 100 kilometers an hour. So that's probably 65 miles. Um, and, and so uh, if I do that on the highway, or if I just take a, a B road, which is probably even shorter, um, I get way more uh, um, miles per kilowatt hour. Um, and, and so it makes it more efficient and, and I drive way more relaxed. But yeah, uh, if it's empty then, or, or near empty, uh, then yeah, go to a quick charger and, and ours only, ha only has uh, um, 35, uh, um, kilowatts of, of battery. Um, but yeah, so we charge to that 80% and exactly that's what we do is, uh, we, we charge to that 80% in, in 20 minutes. So that, that's exactly wow. take, take a toilet break, grab a coffee and, and we're done. And sometimes nice. not even that, if I don't need any more, if I just need like 20 kilometers, I'll just charge for five minutes. And then I go back to my house because I have 63 solar panels. Let me charge at my house. It's way cheaper anyway. But it's a different mindset. I love, mindset. That. I love yeah, I, that so much. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that uh, so you had said whether or asked whether it was it was enough for the U.S. I think it's it, it ultimately depends on who you are and what you do. Um, is that if you're commuting 20 miles every day, yeah, that's more than enough, particularly if you're a two-car family and you've got either another one that has longer range or um, you've got one... Uh, gas vehicle and one electric vehicle. If you go, uh, like my wife commutes most days. Um, so uh, 
it would make sense when we go to replace her vehicle that that becomes electric. But I'm worst case, I'm doing a a trip to the airport and back every week. Um, so like I could have the, our longer range gas vehicle. And even, even if we're going from up and down the, the entire East coast, we'd take that one, but for all the stuff around town or around the Northeast, that the electric makes sense. Another reason why I would love to have an electric car is the grocery getter, the back and forth to school kind of car, the commuter car is so the community that we live in is not conducive to bicycling or walking. It just is not good for that. And so even, even it's like, like less than a five minute drive to the store, but we end up taking the car because you have to cross a couple difficult roads to get there. There's not good crossings, things like that. So we end up, you know, going out to the garage out to a car that's in, I'm going to use Celsius here, but you know, maybe it's like four or five degrees out in the garage, right? It's pretty cold out there. You start the car, you drive it for five minutes. It barely has time to get warmed up. And, and, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of thinking about, you know, Oh, those poor piston rings and those poor valves and the poor main rod bearings and everything, you know, it's all cold. And we shut the car off and go in the store. And by the time we get back out from the store, the it's car cold is again. cold again. Yeah. An electric car doesn't care. There's yep. nothing to heat up. Right. So that's another reason why I, I am excited about the future of, you know, being able to have an electric car for, for the run around town. So cheap in maintenance. So, yeah. Ours has, so in the four years, it's now 150,000, 160,000 kilometers. So that's 100,000 miles. I haven't had to change any brakes because when I slow down, I recuperate energy. Yep. And, and so, so cheap in maintenance, insane. Yeah. Uh, on, that's that's on what the my other friend hand, with them. Oh, go ahead. So all you, Chris. On the other hand, in my Mark 7, I have a golf wagon. Uh, so for the, the European folks, it's a golf estate. Um, in the hundred thousand miles that I've had that I've had to do a low pressure fuel pump, a high pressure fuel pump. I've had, uh, this would affect the, the electric ones as well, but I've, I've had to, uh, uh, I've had a lot of panoramic sunroof problems with it. Um, I've had to replace the backup camera, which is also one that would, would impact electric. And I've had to do, um, uh, the transmission service. And then, uh, I mean, at this point, 10 oil changes on it, plus brakes, and you think about how much I've spent on that compared to the maintenance on that e-golf. I am very jealous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm jealous too. We can, we can talk about my woes in a little bit, but I am, I'm also jealous. So, yeah. Okay. So, so let me stop gloating my, my car park. Um, so Chris, what, what do you have? So I've got that Mark seven sport wagon, the, the golf golf estate. Um, but we also have in the, in the fleet, my wife has a, a Subaru Forester, a, a new one, 2020, um, Forester that, uh, she absolutely loves, uh, it's a, get the, it's Subaru. So it's got the boxer engine, the, the rattly little, little engine that you can hear coming from a mile away, but it's got personality. Um, (laughs) but the very cool thing about it is that it's got the Subaru's eyesight system. So it's got radar cruise control. It's got automatic emergency braking. Uh, it's got lane centering, um, and, uh, and lane keep assist, uh, and automatic, uh, rear automatic emergency braking. So if you're backing up uh, from our driveway onto the road and something starts coming across the side, it'll be patch in and actually apply the brakes. And if you're backing up into something, it'll apply the brakes. And then wow. the, f- the forward automatic emergency braking uh, is, is sort of the same thing. And that's, that's one of the safety features that I think 
across the board. It's it's the one that's got the data to back up that vehicles that are equipped with that that uh, it they get into fewer accidents and the accidents that they get into because they're even if it does hit the vehicle in front, it is locking up the brakes and drastically reducing your speed at impact. Um, yeah, so that's one of the ones that brakes. I'd like to see everywhere. But uh, the the other stuff is all nice to have. Yeah, it's tensioning your belt. It's locking up your wheels. Wheels, well, not locking up, but like ABS, right? So it, it'll just slow down as much as possible, and while keeping giving you control. Yeah, and 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 so that's what I love about new cars. All those features that make. So I, I don't like driving. It's a it's a means to an end. I need to go to customers, but yeah, those make it at least less not enjoyable. So I wouldn't say enjoyable, it's still driving, but yeah. So I can't wait for self-driving cars. Same. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. On, on the safety features thing, like, uh, I don't know, it's probably a year ago now, my cousin Donovan brought over his little, I don't know, it was like a base model Toyota Corolla or something like that. You, you know, in the lineup of what Toyota offers, it was nothing special. And he's like, Hey, you want to take it for a test drive? I'm like, yeah, sure. So we, we hopped in it and drove around a little bit. And I was amazed that like, it had automatic lane keeping and adaptive cruise control and certainly was a faster car, probably developed more horsepower than my car on, you know, just because it's 20 years newer. I was just amazed at, and I asked him too, I was like, what's the trim package on this? He's like, this is a base model. He's like, I got a couple of little extra things, but it's pretty much a base model. It's just amazing how much they pack into them now. I, it's amazing how good cars are now. Like even if you complain about the CVTs and the um, and all the technology on top of it, if you're like, oh, I want I want a base model, I want a manual transmission. But even with that, like how quiet they are, even the worst yeah. one that's out there compared to. Uh, like when I was in, in high school and we were shopping for my first car uh, that uh, ended up with a 95 Buick LeSabre, which was an absolute boat. God, nice. Yes, yes. No, uh, I mean, fuel economy in the single digits, low, low tens, probably if I was lucky. Uh, Big V8 and, in there or something, right? Yeah. So very floaty and kind of comfortable, but it was, it was not quiet. It was not comfortable uh, or it was not, uh, not not quiet at all. It didn't handle well. Where even the super super comfortable luxury cars are are driving incredibly well. It's not like the old Cadillacs anymore. Uh, but yeah. they're they're just so good. There's a lot of thought into them, and there's downsides. But but uh, you want to get into a base model vehicle right now. It's it's a lot better than it used to be. Yeah. The comparison that I made when I drove my my cousin's Corolla, and I don't even know if it was a Corolla, but it was just a little Toyota of some kind. But is a Corolla still their small one of their smaller uh it's their smaller sedan there's the yaris as well um yeah it was it wasn't a yaris yeah i don't know if it's still the yaris no it wasn't i don't it might have been a civic actually i think it probably was a civic Uh, oh that's right civics honda Honda, yeah yeah, yeah. sorry yeah shoot (laughs) yeah well so much for us being gearheads right raymond yeah (laughs) yeah it's all japanese as i said I'm, I'm, I'm a driver. So to me, it's like, yeah, it's uh, so my wife can tell uh, as she worked at, at, uh, Pakar, uh, sorry, the Dutch, uh, uh, subsidiary of Pakar trucks, Packard trucks, I'm not sure how you, you call it, which does Peter build and all that. Oh, Packard, uh, okay. uh, P-A-C-K-A-R-D. P-A-C-C, P-A-C-C-A-R, I think it is. 
um, but they do Peterbilt and, and, and all these trucks. Uh, but she can tell what type of truck it is based on the um, uh, 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 mirrors on the side. And uh -huh. so she is an absolute gearhead. So, so she'd probably be sitting here, but yeah. Um, she doesn't do podcasts or podcasts. Um, Too bad. But, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, so Japanese. But yeah, so I, I am wondering now. But then I could probably name uh, models, but they might even be called differently in the US. Oh, yeah. That's oh, absolutely definitely a thing. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one example is a minute ago, Chris, you mentioned the Yaris. Uh, I drove in high school. After, so after the bug, the bug was my dad's and he was like, hey, you can drive this until you can you know, buy your own car. And then he did the whole, like, you know, meet, meet me halfway on a car thing. He's like, Hey, we'll buy you a car and I'll meet you halfway on it. And so that was pretty cool. Helped me get into my first car. Uh, and so we bought a Toyota Echo, which is a Yaris, except the Yaris was kind of a cool, like little hatchback. This was like a little, a little coupe and it wasn't cool looking at all, which is a real shame. So yeah, that, Raymond's that gonna was Google it really quick. ECCO, if I remember correctly. ECHO. Uh, right? ECHO. So yeah, the very Raymond's looking at it right now. The very first one in the upper left, Raymond, is is that is it exactly. That's that's the little car that that uh, I had. Did yeah, that so. have the fun little uh the the vents inside? Were those yeah. the like fun round ones? The fun round ones. And if you get into, so a, a Yaris or a Scion XA and a Scion XB were all the same chassis, except the Scion XB is shockingly cooler in like every way, shape and form. So yeah. Scion was the thing. Uh, and I don't oh, know, yeah. Raymond, if, if, if Toyota ever brought Scion to, uh, to the European market, but the, uh, uh, Scion was their youth brand and they were basically all base models of whatever vehicle they were, they were based on Toyota vehicles, slightly modified, looked a lot cooler. They threw some led lights at it inside, and then you could buy, um, aftermarket parts and they were all dealer installed to make it look even cooler. And yeah, that was the thing. Yep, yeah. The Scion. Scion XB was the one that I wanted really badly because I love the chassis in the, the echo. Like it only developed 108 horsepower. So it was not powerful, but it was light enough that it had a super short wheelbase. And so you could, it was just a fun little car, but the XB looked cool. I mean, it looked like a toaster, but that's what made it cool is that it looked ridiculous. Whereas so the, yeah. the model I'm looking at now, it, it, it's, it's like the, the, the uh, Fiat Multipla. Uh, so hmm. that one, uh, it it didn't have as like weird a hood. That that one that you're pointing at, I think that's the Scion TC. Um, so yeah, that was a two door. Um, I think it was Corolla based, um, but it it might have actually been been smaller. Yeah, it did not have um, the deformity that is the uh, the Fiat Multipla. That is a. So I mean, I I I know most people are just listening in. Everybody's listening in, but Raymond's like Googling photos of the Fiat Multipla here. And that is the most bizarre looking car I've ever it's seen. It's the most hideous car there is. That is terrible. No, no. The, I'm, I will say that the Scion XB and the, the XA was strange, was a little weird, but not totally weird. The Scion XB was a toaster on wheels and it was awesome. The Fiat Multipla, that's a different category altogether. I don't even know what that is. That is just weird. 
so there's also an image coming up with a, a Fiat Multiplo with a gigantic rear wing and another one with a body kit. And I, I want to know the kind of individual that takes that vehicle and invests that kind of money into it. Yeah. Well, yeah, see, pretty part intense. of it, Chris, the part of it, Chris, is that when you take a low cost car, I'm just going to make an assumption that the Fiat Multipla is like a very low cost vehicle, right? Very low cost car. What do you, what do you mean low cost? You know, low sticker price. Like the Toyota Echo was extremely cheap. Like brand new, 20K. it was like third. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very low cost car. So you get into a car like that, and then you upgrade with massive air quotes. You upgrade it twenty dollars at a time, right? Until you end up with the Fiat Multipla with like a wing and a body kit on it on steroids. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at least. Uh, um, well, you probably can't do much when the engine thing, but it's 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 all aesthetics. So yeah, yeah, he, he went yeah, with the plastic version. There's no way that wing is actually doing something. You're not no. you're not going at speeds that you need downforce. So let's face it, it's a front wheel drive car. I guarantee it's a front wheel drive car. You know, put a spoiler on a front wheel drive car makes no sense, but everybody does it. So I don't know, it's fine. Oh, but, but anyway, Chris. I, yeah. Oh, sorry, Raymond. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm still curious about your uh, uh, your vehicle park, uh, Joel. Oh, did we did we finish Chris yet, or are we still working through Chris's stuff? I, I, so I've only got the two. We've got the the Forester and then my Golf Wagon. Uh, okay, which cool. We, so I we think did we cover can them. Chat about a little bit later. Some more Good. about the infotainment. But uh, why don't you uh, you take over, Joel? Okay, cool. So yeah, we have two cars. Um, so we have my car, which is a 1997 uh, BMW 328i. So that's the E36 chassis. Um, I bought it used for very, very cheap. Um, it's got quite a few miles on it, but it's still in decent shape and, and I like it. Uh, it does have, the guy who owned it before me uh, told me that it has the sport sport package on it. So it's got the same supposedly it's uh, like the same ride height as the M3 and all that. And he also, he's kind of a tuner kind of guy, which I have mixed feelings about, but he swapped the M3 limited slip differential into it. So, so it's got a few, it's got a couple little things that kind of move it sort of closer to an M3. I mean, it's obviously still not an M3, but I like it. Uh, it's, it's been fun. Unfortunately, there's been some mechanical issues lately and we can talk about that later if you guys want, but, and then um, my wife's car, for years, she drove a, uh, a Volvo 850 wagon, or as you know, it was said, as it would be said over where this podcast is based out of a Volvo 850 estate. Uh, and we loved that car. Uh, however, it approached as it approached 254,000 miles, which I think is somewhere around 300,000 kilometers, if I remember correctly. Is that about right? Maybe Chris can do yeah, math. Sounds about quick. right. Uh, so 254,000 miles is 408,000 kilometers. Oh, 408,000 kilometers on it. Okay. So it's getting up there. And in a totally shocking turn of events at, at 400,000 kilometers, it lost a head gasket in the middle of an intersection one day. Didn't see that coming. Who would have thought, but anyway, that car, it was way past its expected service life and did an excellent job. So we recently replaced that. This is about six months ago now. We replaced that with a 2013 Volvo XC90. Uh, curiously, uh, apparently all the XC90s that were sold in Arizona and California, and some in California come in a front wheel drive only configuration. 
And so we have one of the few front wheel drive only XC90s out there, but we hardly ever see snow. We, we hardly ever see serious snow here. So we're not super concerned about that. And, but that also means you have a European car park. Yeah, it is very much a European car park here. Yes. So that how, XC, uh, that XC90, of you. <laughs> that's the one with the, that's the split gate, right? Where you get the back yes. that flips down. Oh, that is very yeah. cool. Oh, we so love how, it. Yeah. The, the split gate is fantastic. One of our favorite things about it. Yeah. So the tailgate on it, it's kind of like a truck for those of you that don't know, uh, the tailgate is kind of like a truck tailgate, except it's not very tall. It's only like, like a foot tall. And then there's, you know, uh, an, I don't know, a rear hatch that lifts up above that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. We absolutely love it. And critically, it also has third row seating, which is great because we have three kids. And so we often, you know, we, we have a couple of cousins that live nearby and we often end up with the cousins or with a friend or something like that. So we, you know, we just fold up a couple seats in the back and boom, now we can, now we can carry, you know, five plus two people really, really easily. So that's a huge selling point for that car for us. We, we absolutely love it. And if I remember correctly, that vehicle also has Bluetooth, right? It does. Yes, it does have Bluetooth. You are correct. Yes. So how, how's that working for a 2013 with, with sort of modern, uh, modern phones? Is that, are yeah, there problems that's... with that? What's the quality like? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So are we ready to move into that discussion then? Start talking about kind of the Bluetooth side of things, the car we, play Yeah, side, we jump the... around. It's fine. Well, I, yeah. I can talk about the Bluetooth in the Beetle, but there is none. <laughs> there is no, there's no Bluetooth. You know no. what? Uh, actually, I do have Bluetooth in the, in the BMW. So I've, I've got a fully Bluetooth equipped fleet. So, so anyway, Chris, to answer your question, yeah, the, the 2013 uh, XC90 does have Bluetooth. I don't remember when they started to add Bluetooth. I would not be surprised if it was like 2008 or so, 2006, when they started to do that. Do you know off the top of your head? Um, so I think the XC90, I think that was a, uh, I, I'm going back a bit, but I think that was a refresh that came in later, like 2011, okay. 2012. Um, 11 was with, a big refresh that- for it. Yeah, within that lineup, anyway. I think before that, it okay. didn't have it. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll get we'll get dozens of letters about how I'm wrong. <laughs> dozens, dozens. Um, so Bluetooth actually works fairly well in it. it. It is actually fairly straightforward. There's a few oddities. One of the things that's odd is it has a giant number pad, like right next to the CD player. There's a giant number pad with, uh, you know, with the pound symbol for all you youngins. That's the hashtag. Uh, you know, like all of that's there. Octothorpe. Sorry. Yeah. It's the Octothorpe. <laughs> uh, I love that word. It's such a great word. Um, we'll talk about that one on the next, the next time we take over the podcasts, everybody will tune in for that. I'm sure they'd love to hear about the Octothorpe, but yeah. it's got like a giant number pad so that you can dial numbers so that you can be like, Oh, I need to call like eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, like, you know, you could type it in and hit dial. Uh, it's pretty funny like that. Um, it is also very odd in that you have to explicitly tell it to switch to kind of like a music playback mode by hitting the power button for the whole head unit, like radio. Like you hit this giant power button that's like on the volume knob and that tells the phone like, oh, let's play back music and do high quality audio. It's very, very weird. So, so a couple more so, oddities, but I'll stop for a second. Yeah. So unlike what you've got right now, where it'll, it'll 
recognize that, hey, this is a, a phone device and a media player device, you would do explicitly through the, through the head unit, tell it what mode it's in? It's sort of, and I'm not sure, I, I'm not convinced that that's happening at like a protocol level. You know, it's kind of funny, like as wi- we're all Wi-Fi guys, right? Like we understand Wi-Fi protocol. I don't know Bluetooth protocol at all. I know it's frequency hopping. I know some of the characteristics of it from a Phi perspective, but I don't understand like, how does it switch modes and things like, how does it switch between Bluetooth profiles? I don't understand any of that. But yes, you do have to tell it like, okay, we want to play back music now, go into high quality audio mode. And and then if you get a phone call, it very seamlessly switches back out of that. But it's just very interesting to me that you have to, as the user, tell it to enter that mode and beginning begin playing music back. So in in in, in the Volkswagen uh, bus, I have something similar, but so I can connect via Bluetooth as well. Uh, and so, but I also have a a a iPod connection in there. So. I can mm. connect my iPod in there and play music using my iPod. Um, but if I want to select Bluetooth, I need to play Bluetooth first. So it can be connected using my phone. And, and, but I need to play audio first, and then I can select Bluetooth. So it has to be Ooh. acknowledged first for some reason. Oh, that's painful. That's so painful. That's way worse than the Volvo. Way worse. So um, two other oddities. One is that it will accept like three or four pairs to it. So we've got, you know, our, both of our phones paired to it. When my wife drives that every day, if I get in it, I have to tell it to connect to Joel's phone. It will not like look for her phone for 30 seconds and go, okay, we're not finding Serenity's phone and then switch over to my iPhone and, and connect to it. It won't do that. I have to go like hit a button down, down, enter on my phone kind of thing. So it's not very good at that. The final thing about it that is a little odd is uh, on the display, it says which device is connected to it. Now, Chris, you, like me, are relatively new to the iPhone world, right? I know Raymond is still, you know, he's, on, he's holding out on Android and good for you, Raymond. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, your phone, like, does your, is your phone named, you know, Chris's iPhone? Uh, yes. And it took me forever to figure out how to change that. Did you change it or did you just leave it? Uh, no, I, I left it, but I was curious and it, it is difficult to find. <laughs> it's difficult to find. Yeah, you can do it. It's not super straightforward, but you can do it. So, you know, mine is Joel apostrophe iPhone, right? Serenity is Serenity's iPhone. Her Volvo cannot render the apostrophe. So it shows a big, it just does a question mark character instead of the apostrophe. And so it's just like this weird thing about it that it, when they built the character set out for that thing, they did not put an apostrophe in it, which every single iPhone out there by default presents an apostrophe as part of the name of that. So yeah, whoever, whoever did that engineering at Volvo, like they, they did not see that coming. It was not future-proofed. Uh, nope, not in that uh, way. Uh, uh, oh. At least you don't have any emoticons in the name. True. But uh, my phone's called, but just for the giggles, my phone's called Raymond's iPhone, even though it's a Samsung S21. <laughs> so it would, it would also show a question mark on the display while playing back music on our Volvo. It would yeah, also probably, do that. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but you know what? Beyond that, the Volvo, actually from a Bluetooth perspective, those are oddities. They're tiny oddities that you immediately figure out how to work around them or you ignore them. And it actually works really, really well. It's very stable. Once you get connected, it's rock solid, never have issues. 
So, I mean, I, I poke fun at Volvo for, you know, back in 2013, which is, which is crazy. I mean, it's, that's almost 10 years ago. Now we're approaching 10 years old, very, very quickly on that car. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's actually shockingly good. Like, there's no real major problems with it. And we are very, very happy with the Bluetooth integration with the, uh, with the audio or with the stereo on that car. And we have never, ever, ever, not even one time put a CD in the CD player. We've never, ever done that. That CD player, is that in the dash or is that one of those like glove box setups? No, it's in the dash. It's just, I don't think it's a disc changer or anything. <laughs> if, if it is a disc changer, I have no idea, but I think it's just a single slot, you know, slot loading CD player. So mine's in the dash in the, uh, in the Volkswagen or sorry, in, in the Golf, but it, it holds SD cards in, nice. in the dash. I, same. That was big for the, that. Uh, that body style, the Mark seven generation that they uh, there's, it holds the SD cards. And then there is within next to it, there's a spot for either four or six additional SD cards. So you could host, uh, have all of your high quality audio directly through your infotainment. Yep. So like where you'd normally drive unsafe, swapping your CDs. Now you're driving unsafe, swapping your SD cards. They kept the theme the same. You know what? I really wish the Volkswagen had gone the extra mile and built an SD card changer into the dash there where you could load up five of your favorite SD cards. And then you'd be like, oh, let's load SD card three. And then a little motor would go plug in the next SD card. And then you switch to another one. No, you guys don't think this is a good idea. What? I don't understand. So they didn't. Yeah, they didn't even give the passenger seat like powered front and back. Actually, not even the uh, the driver's seat uh, on uh, on that. Even if you got the top trim. Um, yep. Nope. I I'm still I still think the SD card changer would have been that would have been the innovation of the decade if they would have done that. I don't understand why they didn't do that. It seems like an yeah. obvious idea to me. But have you ever yeah. used the SD card slot in that? I do. Yeah. So uh, I have a huge MP3 collection. Besides, uh, so I don't want to use Spotify all the time. So I have a huge uh, SD card collection. Uh, also, all kind of mixtapes and, and old, old school mixtapes kind of thing. And so, yeah, on that SD card, there's a whole bunch of uh, audio there. I love that. Raymond, I already liked you, but I like you even more now because that's, that's awesome that you have hey, mixtapes on SD cards. I need to educate my kids. They, they, yeah. they like a uh, 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 wider shade of pale. They like uh, golden brown. Um, they, they sing along with uh, all these kind of good music songs. Oh, see, when you said educating your kids, I thought you were going to say that, like, you know, you, like, like I want to show my kids a tape player at some point and be like, hey, this is how we used to listen to music is, you know, stick a cassette in and let them hit play and all that. I thought you were going to be like, oh, yeah, I want to educate my kids on, you know, how we used to listen to music, which was MP3s off of SD cards. This is this is from the good old days, kids. This is how we used to do it. And now we just stream everything and that's cheating. We had to walk uphill to school in the snow both ways, you know? Yeah. Hey, hang on. I used to sit on Saturday. Well, this is digressing, right? But <laughs> Saturday evenings, uh, there was a, a, a radio show where you could record games that you could later play on my Commodore 64. Okay. Now that is what? cool. That yes. is awesome. I don't care if we're digressing. We're we're talking about no, this. We are di- right now. We are digressing intentionally. This is wait. Is that the meaning of the word? I don't even. I don't care. We're doing this. We're talking about this. So, 
I, I think it's important to, to back up a little bit for anybody that isn't aware for our younger listeners that, uh, I mean, did you, did you get a lot of Commodore 64 eight bit applications like on a, on a cassette tape or things like that back in yeah, the day? Was I, that, I just was had that a cassette thing? tape. And so th- this is you normally you'd think, well, what's the numbering for, right? Every, every time you, uh, Put in a cassette tape. You you'd wind it back, and then you would re- put that reset button on, on the on the counter. And so it was for me to write down. Okay, game number one starts at eleven. And so I would basically on Saturday evenings listen and then press record. And then when when it was done recording, I'd go back, rewind it, and say, okay, on my Commodore sixty four, say load press play and then press stop when it was done. And I could then say run and play the game. So, yeah. I, so, I mean, I've heard of distribution of eight bit, you know, eight bit uh, computer programs on like a vinyl record or, you know, at the end of a song on an album that that would appeal to nerds or geeks or whatever. I've heard of this, but hearing about distribution of a computer program over radio, that is new to me. I had not heard of that before. Yep. Saturday evenings. How did, Oh, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Yeah. Who, who was broadcasting that? It was just exactly. Yeah. Who, oh, who was, was doing this national radio station? Wow. It was fun. Yeah. And so, so you could, they, how, you couldn't hear them speak for anything. It was just, gibberish right as we would hear if you would just play that it would would make any sense so you'd have the dj if you will uh, just say well okay this is and talk about the game and then say okay here it goes and it was a countdown and then it started playing that gibberish and you played on record and basically no music just that game and then stop again and it was fun fun times that I was, that's exactly what I was going to ask is like, did an announcer, you know, did somebody say like, we're about to do this? And then that is so yep. cool. That is so cool. I love that. Um, I also, one thing that I love, and one thing I've been, I've been wanting to try, wanting to mess with is I have, I have a couple of, of eight bit machines, particularly Apple twos. And one thing that I have wanted to try was to see if I can get a few applications on uh, you know, get an audio sample of these applications and stick them on an MP3 player, an iPod, you know, seems like that would be kind of poetic to use an iPod. It, plug that into the Apple too and see if I can load in an application off of an iPod. And it's obviously not going to be faster than, than playing it off a tape because it's just music play no. or just audio playback. But I've been wanting to try that. One of these days, I'll get around to it. So should, should we try and get back on track? Yeah, we can try. That was pretty well, good. I, I enjoyed that, that little tangent though. That was good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Joel, you had said uh, your other vehicle has Bluetooth as well. Was that, did you install a new head unit or is it just like a tie-in thing? I, I did install a new head unit. So um, the, the BMW, you know, originally had an AM, FM cassette deck, which if I had still had that deck, I would consider leaving it in. Like I, w- I would consider that, but it did not when I got it. It had some some random head unit that glowed like bright blue at night, which is horrible for nighttime driving. Like whoever invented the blue LED, I, I just, Oh, I hope that, I hope that like their, 
their chocolate chip cookie like never fits in their glass of milk you know like ugh, blue leds are just horrible as i'm looking at raymond's office through zoom and he's got blue leds everywhere oh, i have but blue he's, i have blue behind me he's too. not driving uh, in his office so it's fine oh it's white now oh now it's green it's all kinds of colors so fancy but anyway i i took that out and i've been a big fan of pioneers head units for a long time uh in the old volvo i ran a pioneer am fm cd bluetooth usb you know head unit um and what i like about them is uh pioneers pioneers head units they're just they're just single is it single din is that it i don't remember yeah Yeah, so so for the for the most part the single din were the ones oftentimes you'd get you'd have the slot and then you'd have the little tray underneath it to fill in that because those often you would put those into double din slots the yeah. ones that were the, the ones that were thicker, so much more of a, uh, I guess, a thick rectangle versus a thin rectangle. Um, those were yep. the double din. Right. Okay. So my wife's Volvo had a double din, but I ended up installing just a single din in that. And and with my BMW, I only have single din available. So I went with a um, with a Pioneer head unit, um, but it actually does not have a CD player. It's a short chassis, so it's not very deep. And it looks like a CD player. You think, you know, at first glance that there's a CD player on it, but it's not. It's just Bluetooth with, uh, you know, all your typical controls. And it also has a USB port on the front. So you can plug a flash drive into it or plug an iPod or something into it. I mean, obviously I just use it for Bluetooth. Uh, and a couple of things I like about it is uh, first off, it's got a remote, uh, it's got a remote uh, microphone. So I ran uh, the microphone cable through the dash around the steering column. Like I, I, I ran it in the dash. So it's, it's definitely in there and then up the a pillar and it's on the very top of the a pillar pointed right at my face. So the microphone for hands-free calls is, I mean, it's only like four or five inches away from my face. It's really, really close. So that works. That works pretty well. The second thing that I like about the little pioneer head units is they have RGB LEDs built in. So if you want, it'll sit there and strobe uh, rainbow all day and all night, which is exactly not, that is exactly what I do not do with it. (laughs) Um, what I did is I, it allows you to go in and just, you can just change the RGB values and dial in whatever color you want. And so I was able to match it to the, the interior color that basically the lighting on the interior of my car. So it looks kind of factory from, from the get, or, you know, at first glance, like you don't realize that it's not a factory head unit. So I had, I had sent you a link, uh, I don't know, a month or two ago. I had found yep. a new head unit from Sony, part of their ES line. So Sony's ES line is their elevated standard. It's the the like the highest tier of product that Sony makes. Um, and I had sent you a- oh, That explains part- the price. It does explain the price. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that that head unit, it, uh, it, it's a, it was a double DIN unit, if I remember correctly. Um, and it had an eight inch screen or so. So it, it, it fit into the slot in the radio, but then it, it, the display extended out from it and then, uh, and then went up. So it was a large screen so it could support Android auto and Apple CarPlay. Um, and I think that was probably that unit, I think was probably worth both yours and my vehicles combined. Uh, I think it was a $2,000 head unit. If I remember correctly, it was, it was a bit of money for, uh, for, a. a car radio without the amp, without the speakers that, uh, it, it was a bit of money, but, uh, yeah. I, I am a huge fan of having, um, Android auto or Apple CarPlay, uh, mostly because factory navigation systems tend to 
be Ugh. absolutely terrible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my wife's XC90 has a has a factory navigation system or a sat nav. I remember where this is. Is this primarily British audience? I don't even know. But anyway, a sat nav. Um, and it's horrible. We, 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 will, we used it exactly once and it was like a joke the whole time. We will never use it ever again. So that is one thing that uh, my car, I don't care. I don't need Android Auto. I don't need CarPlay. My wife's car, it would really, really be nice to have it. So Chris, do either of your cars have Android Auto slash CarPlay? Uh, they both do. So it, it came about nice. on the, the, the Volkswagen as part of the Mark 7 um, for, the, for the Golf. Um, so I'm guessing Raymond's has it as well, yep. um, since it's that same, same body style. And the Forester does too. And that from, uh, I really like Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. Because not only does fact do most factory sat navs uh, suck, their other uh, their other services, whether it's the media, whether it's the radio controls, that those tend to not be great as well. That the, oh, yeah. uh, the, the car manufacturers um, are not great at uh, at UX and UI design. No. So l- no. letting the technology companies uh, make an interface that you're in for the most part has has been great. And then mine, my car's a 2016, um, and because all the um, all the processing is offloaded for that to the phone. So when you upgrade your phone, you're upgrading the processor essentially for most of the things that you're touching within that system. Um, that 2016 Android Auto and CarPlay just work fantastic, even with all the upgrades. It's so snappy. Um, it, it's so easy to use. Um, and I get all of my, my navigation out of that. That's uh, awesome. I yeah. I don't know, Raymond, yeah. if you've had the same experience with it. So, yeah, again, um, uh, uh, um, the, the Apple CarPlay, no clue. Um, and, and as far as the, the Android Auto, uh, it's only available here for like a year and a half or so. So it wasn't available hmm. for, for quite a while. Um, uh, but so I'm quite okay with the, the navigation in the car. It gets updates over the air. So maybe it's a newer version that, that, I, that I have. Uh, and the display is quite large. Uh, so we we did get the upgraded package. So we have these extra speakers and subwoofer in the back, and and so we have a very large display in in the middle uh, middle console, um, which is which is which does great, and it also does the navigation in in my uh, uh, where normally to have the uh, the speedometer and, and and that kind of thing. So it's a digital oh. add sub you, display. You get the digital what? digital dash. Yeah. Uh, what? Okay. Hang on. That. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, yeah, so just help. I'm uh, sorry. I'm, all my cars are at least a decade old, so I just have no idea what's going on. So you're telling me that Android Auto will push a, an additional screen to your gauge cluster? No, no, no. I don't use Android Auto because I have a good navigation uh... in my digital gauge cluster. Oh, okay, okay. So you built, you use the the built-in satellite navigation in the car yeah. because of the integrate. Okay, gotcha. I'm tracking. And, and, and okay. so. In, in, in the Volkswagen, Android Auto doesn't, so I know it does work over Bluetooth now, it just doesn't do it in, in, in my car. So I have mm. to plug it in using USB. And, and so um, that's the downside of all these new fancy phones. And mine, so I have this nice uh, 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 um, cordless charging spot in the car, mm-hmm. but my phone doesn't fit in there. Oh. Like, ah, why? So that is my main thing. Uh, if, if you look at my phone, it, it, it's too long or too wide, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't fit in there, so I can't charge it. 
Um, so yeah, I, I just don't bother. Oh, that hurts. I, that hurts remember, a lot. Do you remember the vehicles that had the little slot where you could put your, you could just drop your flip phone in. You didn't need to charge it at all because it had days long battery life, but there were right. the ones with the flip phones and like the candy bar phones. It was just this little slot that you could drop it into to stay. Yep. And now, I mean, certainly none of the, um, uh, none of the current phones fit in any of those slots anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you, yeah. You get these, these holders. Wait, let me try and find these. Wherever yeah, you look at old, plug really old phones, like the Nokia 6310 or 6210s ones, where exactly you'd had the battery for days. Yep. Um, and you, you had these holders that, um, it had a, 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 a antenna connector in the back as well, right? So you could use that external antenna in your car, which then was mounted on your windshield in the upper right corner. That's right. It was the external cellular antenna. So exactly. like a lot of the old Nokia, uh, Nokia's, there was a little uh, uh, rubber plug right below the antenna that you could plug an external antenna into and have it sitting on top of your car. Wow. I... I, I, my first, my very first cell phone was a Nokia 6300, which is a lot more candy bar shaped, a, a little less iconic than the 6310 and all those, but it didn't, I, I don't remember. It just had a micro or a mini USB port on it and a charging port. And then I don't remember seeing an antenna connector exposed on it, but I do remember like back when that phone was new, cell coverage was not a ubiquitous thing, you know, yep, having a nice, having a nice whip antenna on my car to feed into my phone, that, that would have been awesome. That would have been so helpful. So of course now we're spoiled. We just have, you know, cell sites every, you know, every half a mile or so we've got a cell site. So it's no big deal, but so yeah, I I've only used Android auto and CarPlay in rental cars, but uh, both with Android auto and with, um, and with CarPlay both times, I've been very impressed with the respective Android auto and CarPlay. And shockingly unimpressed with anything that the automaker introduced in onto that touchscreen. Anything that they did was just hot garbage, terrible, shockingly bad. Uh, and it's it's going worse now because they're they're removing the physical controls and pulling it into this thing that they've yes. made terrible. Um, so you've got like the we'll we'll keep talking about the golf because it's fun. Um, yeah. But the, the Mark eight golf, there's no physical knobs anymore. They've got this little, yes, they've got this little bar below the screen where you'd usually like steady your finger before you hit something that's now a touch sensitive surface with three different areas on it. So the left one is for the driver's side climate. The right one is for the passenger side climate and the middle is for the volume. Um, and it, the, the really big downside to it is that it's not backlit. So unless you've been driving this vehicle for a couple of days and understand where those are and have it, have the muscle memory for it, you can't see it at night. So you've, th Thanks. at that point, I yes. hate it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen I hate it, it, but yeah, I'd already immediately. No, immediately. No, I'm sorry. I will keep my 1997 BMW 318i, 328i that has like chunky buttons. I just reach out and just punch with my meat popsicles and it's just great. I love doing that. And I hate touchscreens so much, so much. They're awful for things like that. Not for everything, but for things like that. Ugh. 
No thanks. What, and then that vehicle in particular, if you hate t- those touch sensitive controls, all of the steering wheel controls are now touch sensitive as well, that they're not bus- buttons that you push and, and have the tactile feedback on. There's like a swipe for the volume um, with okay. the Mark 8. So. Yeah, there's a swipe in, in, in the entertainment system that I, so if I, in, in the, in the uh, e-golf as well. And so if I reach for something, then all of a sudden I get to the next radio station or the next song, I've turned it off. It, it's, it's awful. I think the, the thing that I don't, the thing, I want to harp on this touchscreen thing a little bit more, if you guys don't mind, if you don't mind indulging me. What I hate about touchscreens in a car is when you're driving, where do you want your eyes to be? Well, the manufacturers well, apparently think you want it to be on the screen because it takes yes. so long to look at it. Yes. Yeah. You have to, you have to use your eyes to locate. You have to figure out where you have to, to use your eyes to figure out where the button is. Whereas with an animal, with a mechanical button, it's, you know, you can, you can just reach over and go, Oh, that's the knob that you turn to turn the AC up or whatever. I don't know. I just don't get me wrong. I, I, I said, I hate touchscreens. That's not true. I do enjoy touchscreens on my phone, my iPad. I'm really glad that Apple has not put a touchscreen on MacBook because I don't want it there. I do not want to mix uh, a mouse pointer and a touch interface. I just don't think that's a great idea. It kind of works okay on the iPad Pro. It's kind of okay there, but I still mostly just use it as a touch. Uh, you know, I just use it uh, with touchscreen fingers or maybe Apple Pencil. But in the car, though, I'm not dedicating my full attention to the screen. It's just but- not the same. But that's why they give you emergency braking and lane assist and all that. So you can use the full functionality of that nice and gorgeous touchscreen. I, we I don't, don't need the railings because you've tied yourself off and can't like die when you fall off of the side of the building. Yeah. Like that's the yeah. approach that they're taking, that those are safety yeah, nets. Automatic emergency yeah. braking um, and the, the reverse automatic braking and, and all those kind of systems, they're safety nets. They're, they're, you should not be using them you just should be very glad to have them if you do need to use them. Yes, exactly. Should I have started with the HTML tags, sarcasm, and then end sarcasm? Uh, no, no, we get it. Oh, we, okay. we understand. Okay. We understand where you're coming from, Raymond. Don't worry. We're just mad. Well, yeah, we're, we're, just we're in agreement with you. But that uh, a lot of oh, this yeah. is frustrating. Is that is that not, not only is it is it a poor uh, it, it it it's poor for the consumer to be able to to use these constantly but and i understand that it can be cheaper um to to integrate that all into a single display and not have oh. the physical controls and not not go there i get it but there's better ways to do this um yep. and i i yep. feel like a lot of this is being built for the self-driving future like particularly volkswagen's the solution that that it's it's built for when you're not needing to be looking at the road but for the time being we still need to look at the road um, with every single self-driving suite that's out there. Um, it, so make it so we continue to look at the road when we need to do things in the infotainment. Uh, Chris, yeah. I think you I, nailed it when you said it was cost. I think it comes down, I think it's two things. I think it's cost. And I also think that a touchscreen implies luxury. You know, a touchscreen implies technical prowess. And so you put a touchscreen up there and you get rid of all the physical buttons and it's like, Ooh, check it out. This thing is like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's like a crew dragon. The whole thing is touchscreen driven, even yeah, though that's the not, art. Yeah. yeah. State of the art. Even if that's not a good idea, 
And what I really just want in my cars are just some nice big switches to, to, you know, that go click and go snap when I use them. And so I know exactly what I just did and I know that I did it. Yep. So the, um, so talking about click and I'm probably ending on that, but, um, the, the beetle, if I turn on the, uh, the left hand sign or the right hand sign has an actual relay. So it clicks. My Volkswagen has a sound file that does the clicking. Yep. Yep. That's, that's right. For the, for the younger audience, that clicking was the relay shifting between the two, uh, the two yep. electrical paths. It was, it was a mechanical switch inside of that, that was clicking it back and forth. And spring and contacts and everything, a yeah. whole bunch of stuff going on in there. Yeah. Uh, and, and it has such a nice noise that that like mechanical sound of flipping back and forth is, is such a fantastic noise and, and modern yeah. vehicles that it, it is. It's just that sound file that uh, yeah. is, is a, was a pales in comparison. It's a dead giveaway for when it, a, a blinking light is broken because then it gets more electricity. So it'll it'll yeah. blink faster. So it'll click faster and look, oh. My light's broken. Uh, yeah. So if your right, if your right turn signal is blinking twice as fast, your left bulb is out. Yep. So in the uh, retro, in the retro computing, vintage commu- computing world, yeah, a lot of like, for example, for like an Apple II, you can buy a floppy emulator. So it's a little thing that you plug into the floppy port and it has a little screen and you can load and unload floppy images that, and it's, there's just all stored on like an SD card. So you miss the sound of, you know, the, the read right head seeking and the motor spinning and all that stuff. And so what some people have done is they've actually rigged up like uh, I, I think it's a couple of relays that they just sit there and just click on and off all the time to simulate the sounds of an Apple II floppy drive at work. Just powering on it like a random interval. Uh, just, yeah, just, well, you know, like one thing, I, I believe it's the Apple II that when you powered on, it just rams the read right heads in one direction to make sure that they're parked no matter what. And so it kind of makes this sound for just a second. And so it does stuff like that, you know, just to make it feel like a, like there's actually a mechanical floppy drive there working. So I don't know, maybe someday we'll, we'll see the same for cars where they'll just, somebody will stick a relay. They'll, they'll, they'll stick a, a mechanical turn signal emulator in the car that makes a click click sound instead of just playing back an audio file it's stored in firmware somewhere i don't know yeah so we've we've got that right now with the uh, uh with the turn signals but on top of that there's the there's now the sounds that the cars are required to make under a certain uh speed to uh to have some sound for pedestrians to hear mm. but yeah, they're mine all doesn't have that yet i'm <laughs> so glad it doesn't have that yet um, i believe it was mercedes that had uh they had hired hans zimmer to to decide on their their sound and i might be i might be wrong on the manufacturer but one of them grabbed hans zimmer do uh, that's amazing i love that wow composer of composer of a bunch of of tons of movie soundtracks for ages and ages now hans hans zimmer's work is some of my all-time favorite music ever I love that, that he ultimately helped figure out what sound a car should make it, when it's moving under a certain speed. Yeah, I was right on the German um, one, but it was uh, it was BMW that, uh, BMW. that Hans, Zimmer, Hans Zimmer is making uh, making the sounds of the uh, the BMW electric M cars. Wow. Wow. OK, that's well. And I, I have also heard that in some modern 
petrol cars that like, I think BMW is one of the manufacturers that did this, that the stereo will actually play engine sounds. Uh, like when you're accelerating, like it'll play fake engine sounds to our golfs sound have, like- it's the sound decor. Uh, that, that there is a dedicated speaker. So some of them have them coming from the, the other speakers that the the uh, the golfs have the uh, sound decor under the dash that that's doing that. Um, wow. Uh, well, don't get me started on that. Um, because then I'll go down another path of rage, like I did with the thing. So, but yeah, do you hear the music in the background already? So that means we're about done, and uh, yeah, it, it's done for another episode. It was. Um, great chatting with you guys i think we could probably fill another hour another two hours talking about cars we didn't even touch the 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 self-driving and other features so maybe that's for another time but for now i'd like to thank you for joining joel chris it was a great seeing you and let's uh, join and go to the pub next week again sounds like fun see you then thanks